Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I am your host, Jeremy Greer. This week, we have Holden Out, a.k.a. at Bloodborne Game on Twitter. Uh, him and I have kind of known of one another for quite some time. It was uh, just a delight getting him on the podcast and talking about kind of the history of him stealing the Bloodborne Game account <laughs> on Twitter, which is not actually what happened. I'm just joking. Um, and just kind of getting his impressions of the games overall. Uh, he had a really interesting um, prediction for the Elden Ring DLC that I'm very excited to see come true one day. Um, as most of you probably know, this podcast is on kind of a quasi hiatus. I'm not really accepting uh, new people on it. I'm just kind of randomly doing episodes when I feel like it. Uh, so I just really appreciate all of you to continue to listen, even though we're not releasing on a regular schedule anymore. Uh, it means a lot to me. So thank you. I hope all of you are doing well in this crazy pandemic. Um, and, you know, hey, enjoy the episode. think i i think like you uh correct me if i'm wrong here but i entered into the space uh at demon souls so i started with demon souls i actually didn't get hooked on it um it wasn't until dark souls one that it really started clicking for me and a lot of that was how the narrative is handled in dark souls one um demon souls had uh had some of that too it's just I feel like the interconnected of dark, interconnected world of Dark Souls One lended itself to that more, but uh, at Dark Souls One release and then played Dark Souls Two, a um, little bit of a disappointment, but it's still in a very enjoyable game for me personally. I, sh- I should say for me personally. I know a lot of people love it, and that's good. Uh, <clears throat> but after that, uh, we started getting rumors of uh, this this video game called Project Beast, which was supposed to be from's next next big project and so i was tracking that very closely and i believe it was e3 one year when bloodborne the bloodborne trailer hit the very first one uh and during that trailer i was like i'm gonna sign up a twitter account for this video game and see what happens try it at least uh and lo and behold at bloodborne game was not taken (laughs) <laughs> and so I, I just stole it, <laughs> like, like you do. And uh, it was there was a few days where I was in communication with people over at PlayStation, uh, saying, "Hey, this I signed this up as like a joke. I didn't I didn't mean to actually, you know, go through with a a real video game account or whatever. Uh, you can have it." And uh, by that time, at Bloodborne underscore PS4, which is the official one, by that time, that account had already been registered. And I think we were neck and neck in followers, like, you know, a thousand <laughs> or, or so. Uh, and they were like, no, we're, we're just going to keep this one. Like, they, the, the way that it was messaged to me was uh, the, the people who are in charge of making the decision said, no, thank you. And so I was like, okay. So I kept it. And for a while, I didn't do a whole lot with it. There were a couple of weeks where there was just no activity. And then the official 
Bloodborne account began tweeting, but it was exclusively in Japanese. And so I owe the vast majority of that initial growth to my A, following the Sony, the Japanese Sony uh, PlayStation and Bloodborne accounts. And then just uh, anytime they mentioned Bloodborne, I would retweet them, but with the English translation. <laughs> Providing a service for, for many gamers yeah, I mean, out there. <laughs> I don't, like, I'm not... I'm not trying to like toot a horn or like blow it out of proportion, but in some ways it was useful. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, would, um, I mean, I say that as a, in a joking matter, but it actually legit is. Like, if people, because it's especially now, because you look back at how Sony is treating Bloodborne as like a weird redheaded stepchild of the Sony first party mm-hmm. games, and you're just like, of course they were just registered a, an account with an underscore in it and started tweeting out in Japanese, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think to clarify, I I believe that the way that uh, From Software handles its marketing is the majority of the time they own their own socials. So I believe that it is uh, Yasuhiro who is the person in charge of tweeting, um, as opposed to with Dark Souls. So like with Dark Souls specifically, or Elden Ring, Bandai Namco is the one uh, doing all the social media management. Uh, but I believe for Sekiro and for Bloodborne, uh, that's all Yasuhiro. So, just FYI. Uh, but I owe, I owe sort of an initial uh, following from from doing that. And then eventually the people that I originally talked to over at PlayStation, uh, this was uh, over at PlayStation UK, I think. They saw my following and... I don't know what the dynamics between the PlayStation UK team are and the the actual From Software team is, right? I don't really know those team dynamics. But they approached me and they were like, hey, we're, we're trying to get more eyes on this video game. <laughs> Would you host a Q&A session? And so I had the honor and the opportunity mm-hmm. to uh, post on my Twitter, hey, uh, do you have any questions about Bloodborne? This is during marketing, uh, before its release. Do you have any questions about Bloodborne? And if you do, maybe I can answer them for you uh, through PlayStation UK. And so a bunch of people submitted a bunch of questions, uh, and I like I sent all of those over in a document to PlayStation UK, and I was like, okay, here you go. Um, and then they were like, okay, we're going to answer like 80% of these and 20% you're just never going to address because we're not allowed to talk about it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I wound up just like answering a bunch of people's questions over, uh, I don't know, a week or two period. What, what was nice. What, what is your, and you, you can be as vague on this as you, as you'd like to be, but like, what is your like daytime job that you're doing basically gaming journalism right now with do this like kind of halfway joke account that you set up and then now you're actually like providing answers to people who are desperate to know about the video game. Yeah. So I, I work in marketing. I, I worked in marketing back then and I still do. So I've been in marketing for about a dozen years. So you're very familiar with doing the, the, this kind of thing, but did, was this an, was this kind of an exciting thing to be like, okay, this is like I maybe see a little potential something there for to get into video game marketing, or was this just I can't believe this is happening, I'm just rolling with it. Uh, I mean, it was it was a little of both. I've applied to a few community management positions with the Bloodborne Twitter account uh, name drop in there. Um, weirdly enough, no phone calls back. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, I think you can see why if you if you watch how I manage it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it it was sort of a little of both. Okay, interesting. Um, I, I want to go back to like the games for a second because uh, you're right, and I think we both started at Demon Souls, and uh, I don't know if you know this, but we both apparently have bounced bounced off of it at that time, and then like went back later. Um, I still have my original like save. That I because I gamefly Demon Souls and played it for forty five minutes and then literally just stuck it back in the envelope and put it back in the mailbox on the same day. I was like, no, this oh, game, wow. this game is absolutely not for me. Um, and of course, I I, I adore <laughs> it, it nowadays. Um, yeah, that first impression is is a real doozy. It's, it's it was it was kind of unlike anything I had really ever played, especially um, at the time. Like in, in that in seeing third person games like that, you kind of expected like. Um, I don't know. You just expected like a God of War or an Assassin's Creed or something. So this like relatively slower paced and brutally difficult, like unforgiving kind of thing. I was like, oh, well, this is just for nerds and and people that hate themselves. (laughs) Like, I'm just going to put this back in the box and go play, you know, Assassin's Creed 3 or whatever the hell it was. Um, Right. uh, But yeah, it took Dark Souls to to really um, sell me on that. And it was... It was only because I was listening to some gaming podcast or the other that was like convinced me to even try Dark Souls. And I'm so glad I did, obviously, because, you know, years later here, I am still excitedly talking about all of their new games and playing mech games that are 10 years old at this point because I'm so excited about the game developer. Um, so did. OK, did you pick back? Uh, did you pick up Armored Core? I've gone. So since they made the announcement for six, uh, I was like, OK, now now is the time. So I turned my Xbox into a PlayStation emulator and I've been working my way through the series slowly but surely and uh, having a pretty good nice. time with it. Yeah, it's it's fun. Okay. Have, you, have you played any of those? Have you have, were you played? So at the I, time? I also weirdly enough, I also picked up Armored Core uh, whenever they announced Armored Core six. So mm-hmm. I, was, uh, I think Mech Warrior was one of my first Super Nintendo games. Um, and I fell in love with it. And then I got out of the mech genre, but it always really appealed to me um, aesthetically. And I think that the the uh, potential for game mechanics is, like, huge. So uh, I played Armor Core 1 and 2 on stream recently. I got to say they're very clunky. Yeah, it's they're difficult. They're hard. Getting used to the controls is, is just so mind-bending. I can only imagine what it was at the time, too. But like, there doesn't feel like there a whole lot of video games at the time were, pl- were played like that. And now it's just like, wow, <laughs> this is going to take... What? Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting to think about a, a third-person shooter that is played without an analog stick, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, the PlayStation 1 didn't come with analog sticks originally. Like, it just shipped with the controller and no thumbstick at all. And that's that's how they designed it. So it's very weird. It's wild to me how similar the controls for like a dungeon crawler like uh, Kingsfield is. Like it's 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 basically the same control scheme, right? Without the jumping and the flying around. Like it's and to be able to pilot a mech with multiple weapons versus like a dude in a dungeon and have basically the control scheme. Just as I was when I when I did this emulation thing, I was like, oh, I need to go back and like play all of these old school from software games that I've been ignoring. And yeah, just the similarities playing them back to back. I was like, oh, wow, this is crazy to me. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's done on the same engine, which blows my mind. Like <laughs> yeah. that Kingsfield and Armored Core one are the, are in the same engine. They look nothing alike. It's 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 bonkers. Like just the idea that those they were developing that stuff concurrently around each other. Um, it's one of my favorite topics. Just 
because I feel like I knew I did when I first started getting into Dark Souls. And as the years went by, and like Dark Souls 2 and Bloodborne, it's really easy to look at From Software as like, oh, they started their career with Demon Souls and not realize they have a, just decades of experience of making really cool, unique, interesting games and also, you know, a Connect game that was failed horribly. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen the control setup for, what is it? It's Chrome Hounds, right? Chrome Hounds, yeah. Is that the one? Mm-hmm. Have you seen the uh, controller for that? It's insane, dude. It's absolutely insane. It's, it's just wild. I was, it's I was, amazing. As one of the few people with Listen. the Connect, I was so excited for them to make some weird game using that and play the demo. It was just like, it, it was just impossible. Like it, the, te- the technology just wasn't there, I don't think, for them to be doing like yeah. the complicated stuff they wanted you to do. But it was, it was very hilarious, that's for sure. It's true. It's very true. You you mentioned the interconnected world of Dark Souls kind of it was what drew you in. Like and you know, I feel like Dark Souls one even today is relatively unique for that. Um like we it's it's something that they did and it almost feels like a lightning in a bottle because Demon Souls kinda like has a like has a little bit more of a linear kind of spoke based path. Dark Souls 2 loops back in on itself, but in these like kind of individual areas as opposed to from a world perspective. Um, and then 3 just feels like almost in some ways a straight line. Uh, and then obviously we get into Elden Ring, which is now just some huge open world. But I, I'm curious, like as you progress through the series, I'm assuming that as, as a fan you were keeping up with them as they were coming out. Like were you continually looking for and disappointed not seeing that interconnected world or were you just kind of excited with what you got at the time was it something you were actively thinking about as you played you know uh i would say first of all i don't like i don't i don't want to be down on any particular game uh they're like i would say the dark souls is still my favorite of all of them uh that being said i would say yeah that is something that i've always hoped for and like you said it's never truly been revisited um and it it does seem like it's accidental like if you if you listen to you know sophie and sin talk about how uh the dark souls one development went like at some point they just had to cram everything together (laughs) from what i understand uh and and that's what made that whole model work and so who knows if if it's ever going to happen again i hope so um just a side note to, to shout out how great sophie and sin are um as content creators like if both of them have been on the podcast before and i've guessed it on their youtube channel uh please please go check out sinclair lore on youtube and because they're great they're fantastic they're they're one, some of my favorite like souls content creators and they deserve to be blown up as much as possible <clears throat> absolutely they're they're good people um yeah it's it's difficult to uh like dark souls one will always be my quote-unquote favorite because it's the thing that got me into it um but like i think now when i look back like i have probably more fun playing with bloodborne or and and really it's hard to compare anything to elden ring because elden ring is just so huge and all-consuming as a video game (laughs) like it's really the the skyrim of dark souls which sounds like a real dumb way to (laughs) to, to say yeah yeah i went there (laughs) i went there um but i mean it's just it's just you know like they're all really really solid video games and then it's fun to get into these dumb arguments with people about which one is slightly better than the other one yeah i agree i mean if my least favorite being dark souls 2 i would still put dark souls 2 far ahead of the vast majority of video games out there 
What, what do you think it is about these games specifically that uh, draws you in so much? Um, like, is it, is it just the kind of, because they're so, I mean, they're, they're, you know, such weird games compared to just about anything else out there. And nowadays it's, it's hard to think about that because we see so many games um, riffing on the souls mechanics and, you know, souls likes or whatever you want to call them, but like stealing and taking parts and pieces of these games to build something new, which excites me, which I'm super into. Like, I, I love all that stuff, but there's such like dark souls once felt so different from anything else I had played at the time. I think, I think a lot of it comes down to the pacing of the game and how much attention it demands of you in order for you to succeed and how clear it is that you have succeeded. So here's to compare and contrast, right? I was playing uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, which is a great game in its own right, and it was very enjoyable. Um, there's some stuff that I would change about it if I had to, but the thing that I would compare between the two is that, especially with like uh, FF7 Remake's battle system, it really feels like it's hard to get a hold of the the fact that you're doing well or you're doing poorly. Mm. Um, and I think Dark Souls is much better about that because in Remake or in most character action games or... Uh, Near Automata is another really good game that I enjoy the sh the like the ever loving hell out of, right? But it often feels like, okay, did I did I make a mistake there, or is it intentional that I take a little bit of damage? Yeah. Uh, did I make a mistake there, or is it intentional that I can just sort of fall off or uh, get KO'd and then somebody else revive me or whatever it is? Um, Dark Souls is very clear about like you have succeeded or you have failed, and I think that clarity really helps it along. And then, in addition to that, it demands your attention in so many ways because obviously you have to like be on point for all the combat. That's that's a given. But in addition to that, you have to figure out like, okay, I've got to read this item description of this Covenant Artorius ring in order to figure out like what the fuck happened to this knight. <laughs> a thousand years ago or however long it happened right um all of those things i think contribute yeah it's definitely like a game that uh invites you in in a way that um not a lot of video games really were doing at the time most video games i feel were so eager to trip all over themselves and say content 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 like we did all of this work please here it is like look at it um, yeah and, and <laughs> right this, and which then, is great like i think like the great hollow and it's like behind an invisible wall <laughs> that is behind an invisible wall <laughs> and it's it was really interesting to me to like finish dark souls at the, the first one and then realize how much i i missed i just wasn't used to that like if you were playing just about any other video game and you finish the game you and you look up stuff and you're like oh i missed a, some a secret path or a, a boss and i was like wow i list there's entire areas in here i've never even heard of like how is this possible um and it's it's one of those things i i it's i don't using the word brave in the context of a video game is is kind of weird but i feel like it they almost are because it's they do a lot of work to create these environments, to write this text, to create these stories and to imply this, these histories. And then they just put it in there for people to potentially miss. And that's, 
you know, as somebody who has created, who has written stuff and who has like created stuff and put it out there, you're just so desperate for people to see it and understand it and give you the thumbs up on it. <laughs> like it's just, it has to be yeah. really, really hard to watch somebody play Dark Souls and miss the Great Hollow and you know the understanding of the foundations of that universe and things like that. It's just crazy to me that they. Yeah, I I think it's wild too. I think it's uh, I think brave is is the correct word. Um, they probably wouldn't use that word, but I I don't mind it at all. I think uh, that lends a lot to the game's success and to the series' success as a whole. Because if you look at like, it's almost this playground experience, right? Where like I don't know I don't know when you entered gaming or whatever, but I would you know I would be a kid and I would be playing like you know, Zelda linked to the past on Super Nintendo and I'd like go to the schoolyard and I'd be like, okay, I found this one thing in this one spot. Have you found the boots yet or whatever it is? And like you get that online sense of community from Souls games. And unfortunately, I think, I mean, A, what's good about that is that uh, I think it makes the games uh, very, very popular in that, in that particular niche. But then the flip side of that coin is sometimes it makes it a little bit insular, which I, I resent. I don't like that part. Yeah. The, the get good community. Um, right. Is, is, yeah, exactly. Is, is the, that side of this fandom is, is really bonkers to me. Um, and I, in my personal life, I encountered a guy he was a customer of mine. Um, and he was a, he was a younger guy, which is unusual in my industry. So we started talking about video games and I was so jazzed because like, in the deep south like i don't get a lot of video game chat <laughs> amongst dudes yeah. so yeah uh and just the idea of like being able to uh you know talk about video games and he said that him and his friends were playing dark souls 3 and of course like i'm hiding my excitement at this point because it's a fellow a souls person in the wild not on the internet not on twitter and yeah. um he proceeds to tell me that all they do is farm levels until they can hit max level and then they just like roll through the game as it's like a party of three and i just i was staring at him like i don't understand why you would ever do that. <laughs> that seems like such a bad way to play the video game. Um, but I, you know, I think that there's you know room for all. Like I didn't say like, oh, you're doing it wrong. You shouldn't, you shouldn't beat up bosses like that. But he was obviously having a great time within the framework of the game. It, it was it, the first time I'd ever experienced one of those times of like, you're playing the game wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I, uh, H bomber guy has this video I talk about it all the time, but it's uh, he he discusses play conditioning uh, in a video called Bloodborne is Genius and Here's Why. And in that video, he basically sort of like covers how oh how do I put it? He he covers how the games introduce themselves to the player and and how they train the player to have fun while playing. And I think that concept is really. It's nuanced, but at the same time, I think it's, there's a legitimate discussion to be had about not necessarily are you playing the game wrong, which is a weird way of of putting it, but are you playing in the game in a way that is maximizing your own enjoyment of it? Um, I don't know. I think one of my favorite quotes, uh, I don't recall who, who said it. It might have been, uh, what was it, Matt... Anyway, it's a game design quote, and it says the players will des- will optimize the fun out of a video game. And I do think that's true. I do think mm-hmm. that there are times when we're very tempted to play a video game in a way that makes it less enjoyable. And that's human nature. Yeah, but That's my two cents on the subject. That's when it comes into 
you know, I used to play a lot of the uh, PVP in Dark Souls One, and you would see people, okay, yeah, who who would just like you would, you know, to me PVP was I want to invade people and like have these weird experiences because I've never had this multiplayer experience before, um, and then you would like invade somebody and they'd be using like exactly the thing that you saw on um, Peeves stream last night or something like that. It was just, it was just like a carbon copy build and which is fine. Like they're having fun. Like that's part of video gaming is to look up stuff, but it was like, you get to the point where you have optimized yourself and you haven't really done anything. And I just like, okay, cool. (laughs) Like have fun with what you're doing. But like, that seems like the worst way to experience fun. Um, And I, I'm reminded about that a lot when I play video games, I try to, uh, I try to turn off my gamer brain in a lot of ways. Like the, the, the part of my brain that wants to go like, Oh, we should grind this out to get this trophy or I should, you know, um, do all of this work to unlock the skin that I will never use or anything like that. Like I, I try real, real hard to turn that part of my brain off. Luckily with souls games and I, in general, I, I don't necessarily have that anymore. Like occasionally I'm like, I'll have to platinum dark souls three. So I'm going to grind until I get all of these ears, but that's it. <laughs> like that, that that's oh, it. the fucking ears, dude. You <laughs> that's a trigger point for me. <laughs> it's so uh, miserable, man. It was so, I miserable. had so many pants. I had so many silver night pants. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was there. I uh, did it. Uh, four but, hours of listening to a podcast later and then, okay, I can finally not ever think about doing this again. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I took that took me days. I'm curious what the progression was like for you, um, because I think when you first find these games and you start realizing like there's these hidden areas, hidden mechanics, this hidden story that you have to kind of dig deeper into, and then on the second one, like comes out, and then you know Bloodborne comes out, Dark Souls three comes out, uh, and then you know by the time something like Elden Ring comes along. Uh, all of the vocabulary that I feel like the souls have been teaching me just applied so naturally to Elden Ring that I just picked it up and ran with it. And it's, it's almost, I, I kind of wonder sometimes if they have put themselves in a little bit of a corner because like all of their fan base expects that now. Um, and it took years for, I feel like it took at least a year <laughs> for Dark Souls 1 to be like pride open and kind of figured out. And now that we're so familiar with the language that by the time we get to Elden Ring, we just know like as soon as you see like the one spell or something and you're like, Oh, I know exactly what they're doing with this. Like I bet, I bet there's a way to, to, to freak this out or somehow. Um, but do you find yourself like when you play these games, like being so familiar with the language that you kind of want something new or is it still working with you on that same level as it did the first time through? Yeah. I would say that the thing that I'm looking forward to most about the fact that armored Core six is going to exist is the fact that I feel like a mech genre game is going to have to force them to change things up really significantly. So I I see a pattern with From Software, modern From Software so far, which is they do something that's relatively traditional, uh, like Dark Souls 2, and then they change it up with Bloodborne, and they go back to traditional with 3, and then Sekiro, and then uh, from there, uh, you know, on so on and so forth. Elden Ring would be a more traditional one. Uh, I don't really mind that pattern. I would say I do agree that like with, I mean, I've played, I've played so many games that are very much like Elden Ring already. It does get a little bit tiring and I see them sort of using these like, I guess I'll call them tricks, but I really see them trying very hard to make the game difficult for people like me and you uh, and other veterans. And so uh, it just feels like sometimes those are 
those are cheap tricks or or cheap maneuvers or whatever um, that I don't necessarily appreciate. Like, give me Artorias again. Like, <laughs> Artorias <laughs> is a hell of a fight, um, given the context of that game. And he doesn't really, like, there's no infinity loop combos. There's nothing of that yeah. nature. It's just... He's gonna he's gonna do a side swipe or a vertical sw- slam, and he might do the vertical slam two times or four times, and that's really, you know, that's it. It's interesting because the that that ties into some of the difficulty discourse that's around these games, and um, like it's strange looking back at all of the marketing that Namco did or, or Bamco did back in the day, um, as saying you know you will die a thousand times or or whatever, yeah, uh, and like you know obviously. I had that experience of loading up Demon Souls and going like, nope, too difficult. This is too hard. And I think a lot of people do uh, until they start embracing the game on its own terms, like start listening to the lessons that it's teaching them. Uh, but then like by the time Dark Souls 3 gets around and I'm fighting like Sister Freed for the eighth time and I'm just not having any fun anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, why are we doing yeah. this? Like, why, why is this so hard? Why do I have to be this perfect at a video game? And, um, and I, you know, at that point, like I, I have fully embraced, you know, Hey, I'm, I, I used to have the thing of like, I'm going to play dark souls, one, a dark souls game all the way through by myself with no summoning or no help. Uh, and then now I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> like I am, I am, <laughs> I am going to have fun with this video game. Like I'm not going to get hung up for 12 hours on a boss because it's just the thing that I have told myself I have to do or something. Yeah. I will say, uh, Elden Ring does stuff to players like you and I who are so familiar with the the design language and with the like we're so we know the history of it so well that when they start flipping the script on you a little bit it does work for me it's very funny and I feel like that's something that hardly anybody ever talks about is just how funny these games can be of just absolutely trolling you because you expect the one thing and they they do something completely the opposite yeah I think I think that was uh there's a few a few different examples of that I think I would say what is the invader? I think in Dark Souls 2, maybe only in Scholar, I'm not sure, but it's the invader that like cast chameleon and then like <laughs> runs around and hides in the level and tries to backstab you. Yes, absolutely. That's so that's awesome. a really good example of that. Yes. And that's a that is a hell of a moment in a video game. Uh but yeah, I mean I I just can't imagine being a brand new player coming into Elden Ring and fighting Margit, right? Or like yeah. fighting whomever with like these infinite wombo combos and, you know, change ups. And if you stand uh, just a little bit to the left, then he's going to do this one thing. But, you know, whatever, like these very intricate AI patterns uh, that you've, I guess you're expected to memorize either that or just don't make any mistakes and and react really fast. That's I can't imagine a different way of going about it, or or brute force your way through, right? Like that's that's the other yeah. thing is just to just to you know use tools that the game gives you just to become a little bit more powerful than that dude and and take him out. Um, I have a friend that's doing a blind Elden Ring run, um, and he's he's doing it as a soul level one character. Our, my friend Patty on Patty doesn't want bird on YouTube, and um, wow. And just, I mean, he's familiar with the games and everything, but it's been very hilarious watching him encounter these bosses and then scramble to find something that works. And oftentimes, like, the thing that keeps killing me is he just keeps finding stuff that works to get past these, like, really difficult bosses that I expect him to be hung up on for days. So, 
It's interesting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, like the the game has a lot, especially Elden Ring. Like, there's just so many options for you, and I think Dark Souls one and two were were very similar with that way. I feel less about that way than three, but that could be some personal bias too, because three is probably like my least favorite favorite child, if that makes sense. Mm. Okay. Are we? Uh, yeah, we're we're skipping over Bloodborne a little bit, and I, oh, I want yeah, I, I want to dig into Bloodborne because that's obviously like I've heard of it. <laughs> you've started the account <laughs> um, that had to that game had to resonate with you in a way that the the other ones maybe didn't, or am I or am I or am I reaching there? Well, I mean, that's the thing is is I started the account whenever it was just barely announced. Like we had gotten, I don't know, one or two. By the time that it was officially announced, we had gotten like maybe one or two. Uh, half trailers of like super grainy phone cam footage and yeah. we're talking like phone cam from you know 2000 and whatever to 2015 or whatever so uh i am really happy that it turned out as good as it did uh it, there was nothing in particular that like really stuck out to me i know i mean the thing i've started uh at armored core game as well and the thing about Bloodborne game versus Armored Core game, just from my marketing brain, is there can't be an at Bloodborne to represent a video game. That would be pretty terrible. <laughs> but there can be an at Bloodborne game, or obviously uh, at Bloodborne PS4, or whatever you want to call it. You can have at Armored Core. That's not a problem, Right. Uh, so that's that's the biggest difference there. So there had to be a variant of at Bloodborne for Twitter expressly. I hope I communicated that clearly. Just because of the like the name or uh, just well, like yeah. I mean, you, if you had at Bloodborne, for example, to represent a video game, then people would probably get very confused if they were looking at Bloodborne pathogens sure. or yeah, you yeah. know whatever it, whatever it might be. Interesting, yeah. But armored core, like, there's no, there's no similar armored core thing that you could really yes. worry about. Yeah, are, that's uh, not a common phrase that you say. Are are people flocking to armored core with the announcement and everything? Uh, no, I. Uh, so funny story about that is that at armored core uh, has been registered for quite a while, like at least a year or so. Because the the reason that I know that is I suspected an armored core was in the works a while back, and so I tried to register at armored core. Um, and it was, it was, it appeared to be just some random guy's account. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> this is my personal account or something of that nature. Sure, and yeah. they had never tweeted in their life. Uh, so that was suspicious. But yeah, I, did, I couldn't get it. I, I messaged them and I was like, hey, can I have that Twitter account that you got there? And no reply. Absolutely not. So yeah. I, yeah, I imagine that Van Dynamco uh, saw my hijinks and they were like, no, we're not doing that. Yeah, we're, not we're that. absolutely locking this down this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so funny to me. I, um, yeah, did you, so I guess when the game finally comes out, are you super into it? Like, it's such a big departure from the, the previous games. Were you super into it or was, would it take some time to adjust? Or Yeah, uh, so for Bloodborne, uh, the release of Bloodborne actually coincided with the release of my child. (laughs) So uh, I I had a really tough time playing through Bloodborne because of all the sleep deprivation and stuff. Um, I'm one of those dads who, like, you know, would get up with the kid or whatever it was. Uh, And so I found playing Bloodborne very difficult, very frustrating. and I knew that that wasn't 
reflective of the game. I knew that that was on on me and like my own uh, inability to play a video game very well at that moment in time. It's so it's, it's interesting. Uh, I had um, go ahead. I had uh, um, oh, I just completely blanked on his name. Uh, Danny from Noclip on uh and he played like all of bloodborne after his child was born like with her like laying on his uh chest or whatever and i've had um like the lore hunter sean like i've, I've had so many people tell me like oh i play i've played these games uh, like with my child laid on my chest which is will never get old to me because i just think about these like horrible monstrosities and blood filled screens that these children are just sleeping through it just always cracks me up yeah yeah it it was uh it was an experience but um yeah i would say uh returning to it i'm playing i'm playing it now on uh blood level four you can tune in at uh, twitch.tv slash holding out uh but i'm i'm playing at blood level four and it it has been pretty enjoyable um it's uh it's a good video game it sure is it sure is a good game (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's funny i when i when it came out i played all the way through it and then i was like almost immediately went back to dark souls and went into um and i think at that time it was because of the online community and i remember my wife at the time was even like it seems really weird that you're not playing the new thing that you're playing the old ones and i was like i don't know this is just what i want to do and uh it took a little bit uh for me to like really really get into the mechanics and start like playing it a lot and then i was then it was all downhill from there there was hundreds of hours of chalice diving later and doing all this stuff and having a good time with it so that's a a real good video game and i would i would very much like for them to uh i don't really want to remaster i don't really want a a remake i just would very like i think it'd be fun to do a sequel or just anything or just you know speed it up on ps5 or something like i just i want more bloodborne in some form or fashion from from software not from anybody else but from from (laughs) yeah thank you i'm glad you said that um Mm. so i uh i i could go for like a 60 fps on pc and ps5 i could go for that for sure i don't know i'm not really i'm not a remaster kind of a guy i like the idea of just kind of leaving it where it is as it is uh I don't know about a sequel either. I think, you know, if there was another Bloodborne-esque game, I would I would honestly just prefer to, that it be its own, completely own separate entity yeah. with, like, you know, some aesthetics, uh, aesthetic similarities. Trick weapons and um, an obsession right. with uh, reproduction organs, reproductive organs, and, you know, just the, just the basics, just the simple stuff. Yeah, the normal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the the remake conversation, uh, and it's it's worth it's something worth talking about because you know we just got the Blue Point remake of Demon Souls, uh, which uh, I was very very excited about. Like I was like, oh, this is this is they're going to do Demon Souls right because Sony never has, um, and it's a gorgeous video game that is just feels absolutely totally empty to me for some reason. Like every time I try to play it, I just I would rather just boot up my PS3 copy of Demon Souls and play that on a hard controller that is almost broken than I would play the very easy Demon Souls remaster that just exists on my PS5 and is beautiful. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's just the the subtle differences, the subtle changes that they made with to all of the music and some of the characters and I don't know, like having it that well realized just makes it worse to me. Um, and I feel that way about a lot of remasters. Like I, I was real. I don't know. I just would prefer the original with all of its warts than something kind of cleaned up and prettified for something five years later. I don't know if that makes sense or not. 
I think it does. I think uh, I think there's something to be said about low fidelity graphics allowing you to sort of fill in the blanks uh, with your imagination, and I think that is that is a a pro in the PS3 original uh, column. In addition to that, I'm not the first person to to have said this, but the aesthetics of the remake and the, I guess, grotesqueries uh, that you find there are just, they really, they really pull me out of it. I don't, I'm not a big fan. Um, I think at one point Miyazaki during an interview uh, was like, he was reviewing the first draft of the Undead Dragon design. Uh, and the designer had come up with something with like maggots in it and all of this other stuff. And he's like, can't you capture like the, what was it? The, the, like the tragedy or beauty yeah, or something of yeah, that yeah. nature <laughs> of the dragon. And I just thought that was, I mean, that in itself, that is a microcosm of the new direction of the D- Demon Souls remake and why I, I don't particularly like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just difficult to, to get through, even though it's like very similar to the first game. Like it's just different enough where I'm just, I just feel hardly anything while I'm playing it. Like it doesn't, does it remind me of good times? It just—it's just like, oh yeah, this is like a vaguely familiar thing. Like I don't know, I don't know. I don't, yeah. I, it's it's art is a weird thing because you know I, I know a lot of people worked on that game and a, a lot of talented people worked on that game and I think they did you know a good job. Um, but I don't know. I don't need anybody to you know remake Van Gogh Van Gogh's paintings either. <laughs> like I don't need it. I don't need right. to see that. So I don't yeah, know. It's, new, it's such a weird the thing. New high fidelity Van Gogh is. is <laughs> close it's, yeah it's wait till you see starry night in hdr you will be amazed <laughs> yeah <laughs> right exactly oh man that's so funny to me um did you you know that, you know talking about that like uh low fidelity kind of activating your imagination i get a lot of that with armored core um it's going back to like the ps1 ps2 games um, and and just looking at what they had to work with, and like looking at what you're playing in, which is just like this empty arena, and or a hallway, even worse, and it's just filled with like a mech in front of you or something. Uh, but it feels, you know, your imagination can fill in so many of those blanks. And I, I've had I pictured myself like finding those games when I was a much much younger when they were coming out, and just being either being t- completely turned off by it or going like, oh yeah, this is this is my shit. This is this is what I want to really get into. And I feel like all of those games have, all of these games have that, right? Like, it'll be interesting to see that with Elden Ring eventually, because Elden Ring is so well realized and beautiful and has all of this stuff, uh, but we're still brand new. Like, we're just less than a year old. So, you know, in five or 10 years, people are going to be like, oh, man, I'm just, you know, we need the Elden Tree, but in, you know, 8K, (laughs) I'm going to be like, okay, cool. I I don't know. It, It feels like to me, and maybe this is just me talking or i mean i'm i'm in my mid 30s right i'm i'm getting up there so like it, it feels like games have sort of topped out like i can't particularly tell the difference between a ps4 and a ps5 title if i'm if i'm being real like i just don't and even even later ps3 games the the good ones like final fantasy 13 i mean i could i if I booted up Final Fantasy 13 and compared it to Final Fantasy 15 or whatever it might be, I just don't, I'm not confident if, if I was an alien, I'm not confident that I could tell 
that one was made two generations ago. That's me. <laughs> that's see, that's that's I, I think about that sometimes too, and I, and also like. Like I just recently went from uh, the new God of War game on PS5 to playing um, Midnight Suns, um, which is it's about as dramatic of a difference as you can get in terms of graphical fidelity and the things that they were aiming for in terms of the storytelling and presentation and things like that. And uh, it's fascinating because I, I finished both games, uh, and by the end of it, I was just so overwhelmed with everything in God of War. Like everything was so beautiful all the time um but with like midnight suns which a friend of mine just recently told me was like is like the best game best 2012 game to come out in 2022 <laughs> and uh and it definitely feels that way like i just wanted more and more of that like all of the graphic fidelity stuff goes out of your brain as soon as the gameplay like clicks with you and that's all you want to do is play those games yeah yeah i get that and that's what i'm that's that's what excites me about gaming in general is is just how fun it is to play yeah make games fun hot take about video games is that they should be fun yeah. to play make, make games fun that's it's a good it's a good goal <laughs> it's a good slogan we didn't talk about Sekiro at all we skipped it yeah let's get into it if you what, what do you uh it, it, that's a weird game for me because i think it's a fun video game uh but everybody wanted to talk about nothing but how hard it was for such a long time that i, I feel like i have weird Sekiro PS, ptsd or something so okay okay i gotcha no go ahead so, you can talk about uh, anything that wasn't a warning or anything so please talk talk about anything that you want to <clears throat> sure uh i think so for me what what's weird about Sekiro is uh i struggled through it the first time around and I won't like belabor that point. That's just, that's how it was. It's very different from souls games. What I thought was really interesting was I went back and I've platinumed. So I was on a mission uh, a few months ago to platinum all of the souls games that I haven't yet, uh, souls born games. And so I platinumed, what was it? Dark souls three, uh, Sekiro, and Elden Ring. And so that leaves me with every trophy, every trophy except Dark Souls 2. Uh, Sekiro was weird because I returned to it just a few months ago to do that. And I think it was on my third playthrough. Finally, it clicked, <laughs> which is such a strange sensation. But I was like, oh, this is how you play this video game. And it's, you know, <laughs> I'm on a save file with like 80 hours. <laughs> I love that, though. That feels like a Diablo 3 story to me of just like, ah, now I can see the Matrix, and now I'm understanding what right. to do with this video game. <laughs> yeah. Now I press L1. Okay. Uh, now I'm getting it. <laughs> it's fun. I, I, I really, like, it was such a huge departure, and I had so much fun playing through it, uh, like just the the grappling and and like the the weird not the weird but the the departure of a setting um and it's how gorgeous some of the environments were being able to swim and having like weird swim combat uh i was yeah. convinced elden ring would have an underwater kingdom because of the Sekiro underwater stuff like i was absolutely convinced that that would happen and I'm i have really... a theory i have a theory by the way about oh yeah what well, we can it can wait did i say it let's go i'm curious okay all right so uh, for first of all, this uh, this goes to I guess we'll we'll I'll start and retread. Uh, Dark Souls One introduced DLC Artorias of the Abyss, or rather, I think that was I forgot what the DLC was called, but 
notorious of the Abyss, Abyss edition content, right? Mm-hmm. So you get Chester in Dark Souls 1, which is a preview of Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. Uh, within, uh, what was it? Within Bloodborne, in the DLC, again, there is a NPC there called Yamamura, who is named after the combat designer for Sekiro, and also the combat designer who will be working on Armored Core 6. That's Yamamura. I'm going to pause you right so, there because I'm running out of red yarn. I'll be right back. i got to get just another roll of red yarn. I've got, I've got push pins, and I'm, I'm stringing these together, and I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, Yamamura is in uh, Bloodborne, and he turns out to be a reference to Sekiro. So my theory here is not necessarily that they're like foreshadowing the next video game, although they might be doing that, but it's also to like test various stuff within a live environment. So uh, Marvelous Chester is a test of some cloth physics from Bloodborne, uh, so on and so forth. I think what's going to happen, okay, and if I'm right, I will brag. If I'm wrong, you'll never hear about this again. Never speak of it But I think what's going to happen... (laughs) In preparation for Armored Core 6, I expect some kind of flying mechanic in an Elden Ring DLC soon. Oh, interesting. That's uh, I expect crazy. That. I don't know exactly what it'll look like. I don't know if it's a glider or what, but it, just count on it. Because Zuli... 90%. On YouTube, uh, like early, pretty early on after Elden Ring was released, like uh, found like all of the mounting mechanics where you could... like There was like a mounting system there for a little while um, and did some really funny YouTube videos about things the player could mount. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some, I saw that. Yeah. I did see that. So I could, I, could, I could conceivably see there being a creature that you could just get on and, like, and just fly across the world. That would be a huge technical achievement if you could just fly across Elden Ring. Like I'm just imagining everybody's PlayStation 4 is just overheating and melting into the, oh, to, yeah. the to the TV. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> introducing the deal, the first DLC to only come out for PlayStation Five and PC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, uh, in a controversial thing, I think um, that Horizon DLC is just exclusive for PS Five or something. Like, I think that they did, they're oh, doing something. Yeah, uh, I, I might be wrong. They could have walked that back or something. But I remember seeing somebody being like, "Wait a minute, I have it on PS Four. What do I do?" Um. Huh. But yeah, you know, uh, that's a fascinating theory, and I'm going to clip this and save it for the all of the Elden Ring announcements and just at you on Twitter every single time it doesn't get announced. Hey, that's just to remind that's you. That's fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll just say it's coming in the next DLC. <laughs> that's all I'll do. I'll, I'll flip it's, it. It's 2025. It's coming, I promise. Yes. It's, it's in there. We've, we've seen leaks. Listen. The patch has been leaked. Um, <laughs> Something I like exactly. uh, asking people as we as we wrap this stuff up uh, is what kind of impact do you think these games have had on your life, whether it's, you know, something personal or whether it's something that, uh, you know, meeting people around the games or playing the games, changing your attitudes towards video games in general or the way you approach games. Um, is there anything that you could speak on as far as like these games having an, a, an impact on your life? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say that uh, like a lot of people, I wouldn't. I, I don't know that I would really describe my life as ideal. There's certainly ideal moments, uh, but it can be tumultuous, and it has been tumultuous in the past. And uh, I would say Dark Souls One hit at a time when I really needed a sense of control, and I think that is one of its biggest appeals: is that 
I'm in a controlled environment where I can be successful and I know what I have messed up and why I messed it up. Uh, and that's not like real life. And real life can be frustrating in that way. So if if there's a impact on me, it would be simply that uh, it is, it's not just a form of escapism, it's a way to help me cope with a unpredictable world. It's amazing how often I've heard that with these video games. Um, and I wonder, yeah. it makes me so curious, I made a joke about this on a different podcast of um, you never hear these kind of stories about Call of Duty or right, yeah, <laughs> and I and I actually genuinely wonder, uh, just because of its popularity, how many people, how many guys are just like frat bro dudes out there playing Call of Duty, or like actually this really helped me through my depression. <laughs> but we just never hear about it because frat bro dudes don't talk about their depression. Being just horribly stereotypical right now, but it is just fascinating to me how often I talk to people and they they tell me you know this being able to exert this control or to fight for every inch and know that I won every single inch of progress that I've made throughout this game and that it was all on me um, helped me through this mental health crisis or, or, or this thing that I was dealing with or this real life trauma that I was having to experience and that I was trying to avoid or deal with or, or whatever. Um, and I wonder, like I'm sure Miyazaki has heard this stuff and I'm just so fascinated with the idea of, you know, the, the goal of creating a immersive dungeon crawler video game and then ha that having the kind of impact that it does on people where they're like, actually, this genuinely helped me as a person. <laughs> like this this actually yeah. really, really helped me because it's, again, it's just fascinating to me how, how often I've heard that on this podcast. Yep. It's, I mean, it's, it's absolutely real. I don't know how many Call of Duty podcasts are out there. Now I'm going to I'm going to look it up. Don't I'm sure it's, it's I'm also sure interesting. I'm sure they're bad, man. I'm sure like I I think about it every time well, I, I, say, I make a joke I mean, like that know. and I'm like, "Oh man, I wonder what they're just talking about like I don't know. I don't even want to make the joke cuz I feel like it's just it's just being a shitty person at that point, but it's just very hilarious." <laughs> um, I just I think uh I really respect all the creators out there including you, of course. Um it's it, it's so uh uh, what is it? It's so enheartening, empowering, uh, to see like this relatively small series of games fuel such a massive amount of, of interest and understanding in the public. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of fascinating. I always, I always think that, you know, I look at the Sophies and the Sins or, um, uh, even the Quaylogs of the world, um, starting incredibly small niche channels to talk about their favorite video games and then slowly but surely blowing up over time and getting a, a decent following of people to, to talk about these things and just people out there in the world being hungry for good, wholesome content about their favorite video yeah. game is it, it never gets old for me. Um, as much as, as, as much as you, you get removed from, uh, you get kind of jaded, I think, after a while of like, yes, I have said everything I ever, ever need to said about Dark Souls One, um, but that right. is still a game that changed completely changed my life in very weird and crazy directions. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it's nice that the people are out there still still doing the thing. I, I agree. Um, do you have any final thoughts before we we roll out of here and I I'll do the outro? You know, I really don't. Um, I hope uh, I hope that this was enjoyable for your listeners for sure. 
Eh, nobody cares about them. I certainly don't. And they oh, know okay. that. Yeah, yeah, cool. we don't, yeah. <laughs> it was enjoyable for me, and I, that's the only person that matters on this podcast. <laughs> so, nice. I'm glad. I'm uh, glad to hear it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, as I've said in the last few episodes, this podcast is on kind of a quasi-hiatus. Uh, it's not coming out on a weekly basis anymore, but uh, any time that I feel like I have a good guest and the desire to talk about some souls, I'll throw an episode out there. So please stay subscribed to the feed. Um, ratings and reviews, of course, help. If you, But really, if you just want to tell your friends about the podcast, that'd be the best and coolest thing. And, if, and obviously, listening is the, is the biggest and greatest way to support it. Uh, We'll be back at some point with more people talking about Dark Souls, so don't give up Skeleton. When I was doing that four times a week, I had it down to a science, and now I'm stumbling my way through the outro every single time. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't perceive you as stumbling through. Yeah, we're always more smart systems.